Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. How you doing, baseball fans? Welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show, presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi, and joining me, as always, the two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, member of the 1986 world champion New York Mets, best-selling author of the memoir Gibby Tales of a Baseball Lifer, also the narrator of the audiobook, joining us as always, the star of the Gibby Show, the baseball life from self, John Gibbons. Gibby, how's everything going in your neck of the woods? Johnny, everything's good, man. We 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 finally made it to that last week of the season, and uh, there's, there's a lot at stake, man. You know what a great idea! All those wild cards. Oh my goodness, it's been uh, what an exciting week. Uh, it is the final week of the season. The Jays have a magic number as they play out the final six games at home. Always great to finish the season at home, especially in a pennant race. An exciting finale awaits all Jays fans. We're going to cover it all on today's show. And on Gabbing with Gibby, this one is going to be really special. Brought to us, brought to you by Tim Hortons. We'll bring on a legend in Jays history. The man who took the Jays to the only two World Series titles that they've won. The one and only Cito Gaston will join us. And as always, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, we will have the weekly roast and toast. So let's get into it, Gibby. Let's get right to the leadoff. Six days remain. Six games to play. Jays are on a roll. Magic number to clinch one of the coveted wild card spots in the American League is within reach. They really just have to win three games out of six this week, and they're going to be insured of either the second or third spot in the wild card. They return home after going four and two on the road. What a great road trip it was. You hope to go 500. They go four and two, beating the Yankees two games to one, and then going to the House of Horrors and winning two games, losing one to Tampa Bay. Sunday's game was in spectacular fashion. Gibby with six games left, and the Jays needing to win just three of those to clinch a spot in the playoffs. What has impressed you most this past week with this Toronto Blue Jays team? Well, John, they're playing really good ball right now. And, and you know, I think everything's just starting to come together at once. You know, uh, the, you know they've, been, they've, been, they've really been a solid team all year, but, you know, everybody, everybody's kind of wondering, well, they expected more, right? But, but they, they put themselves in a really good position. But I think what you're seeing now is the offense is coming to life. As, as a unit, you know, as, as, and that, that that's going to be important. But in saying that, they have the ingredients with their pitching staff, their defense, defense to win to win it all. Now, now if they get hot with those bats, I mean, they may, they they could roll right through that whole thing. So, but they they yeah, they're they're feeling good as they should. But they're a good team, you know. We got to hey, the wild card's been wonderful. It's going to go down to the wire, but you know they. Uh, they they want to win it outright, but it looks like Seattle may be helping anyway. You know, um, the, the way that the schedule lined up, and they 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 see, they they're they're going right down the tubes. It looks like shouldn't yeah. say that's a little premature to say that, but uh, they haven't uh, done but, well in the last week. I mean, they they really haven't, and the they last, got a tough last they got month. a tough uh, last one. They got a tough week ahead of them too. I mean, it just I shows know. you though, because look, even look at Houston, right? Yeah. World champs. You know, they they lost five out of six to Kansas City, and then a couple a couple to Oakland. You know. So it's tough to win when you have to win in the major league level. I don't care who you're playing, you know, because you, you rev it up, put a little extra pressure on yourself. 
you want something that bad, you know, it, it makes it tough. But, you know, in the end, the good teams get there. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. And, you know, when you get hot at the right time, that could just steamroll you. I mean, once you get hot and you build momentum, you know you've been there on how on how that can really carry a team. Once you And in some of your top players get hot. Now, for me, Sunday's game was my favorite game of the entire season. I sum it up in two words, George Springer. The catalyst of Sunday's game with his bat, glove, arm, and legs. I mean, he just dominated almost a half hour of the game. He played a career game, I think, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, just because that crazy inside-the-park home run, then he has an assist. He takes a ball off the wall uh, to nail uh, Curtis Mead at second base, trying to stretch a single to a double. Then in the very next play, a sprawling full-body extension catch. Uh, it was spectacular. And then not only that, you have you have Vladdy and Bo going back-to-back for the first time this season, which was great to see. Vladdy has two home runs. So it seems like that top of the lineup, Gibby, is like all of a sudden it's clicking. And they're doing what you would hoped all season long. And now it seems like the guys that you wanted, the guys that were here at the beginning of the season that were penciled in that lineup are all there contributing. So uh, that momentum, uh, John, uh, it looks like the Jays are ready for postseason ball. You know, Johnny, bottom line, they're a good team, right? And uh, they've had some ups and downs, some inconsistencies. Everybody goes through that. You know, but they've 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 put themselves in a in a prime spot right now. You mentioned George Springer. Yeah, that's why they signed Springer. You know, um, he's 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 that kind of player. You know, I saw him in the minor leagues, and when he was in Double A, I was in the Texas League. You could just tell there's something different about this guy. Then then he was a big big part of those those Houston teams, right? When the MVP and in, in the the World Series, yeah, he he does that to you. Not only that, you know, he, he's a, he's an uplifting type guy. He's energetic, and you know, he he. He makes things happen. He gets on base and or he gets a big hit at that leadoff spot. And then then his his great defensive plays, but their whole team. I mean, they've they got to be the top defensive team in the league. So they put together a really strong team. It looks like it's starting to come together. It's not over yet, but um, they got to be feeling pretty good. Oh, absolutely. I love the defense of the team also. Uh, uh, having BGO made a f- phenomenal play at first. It's like the whole team is clicking together. Uh, although anything can happen over the next uh, six games, the final six games, it looks like it's going to be the Jays against Tampa in the first round. The other possible scenario would face uh, uh, between the Jays and the Twins. Uh in your opinion, who do you think the Jays have a better chance against? Is it going to be Tampa Bay or could it be Minnesota? Their records this year, they're 500 against the Twins. Uh, they're uh, four and five against uh, Tampa. So, uh, Gibby, put your hat on and who would you prefer to play in the playoffs? Well, right now, I mean, they, they, I don't think it really would matter. They're, they, you know, they could play both of them. They're playing. They're playing that kind of baseball right now, and they have the pitching to to go along with it in a dynamite bullpen. You know, uh, you, you look at the Twins. It, you know, you, if if you if you bring everything into play, like the, the Twins' history in the playoffs is bad. I mean, they've lost I don't know how many games in a row. I mean, they have a tr- they have trouble. Um, you know, they usually run up against that Eastern American League East right out of the gates, and they and it, they 
they, they don't fare too well. Even in Tampa, though, T- Tampa's beat up. They, you know, they lost a couple more players and a lot of injuries. You know, but the thing they have is is the the stadium down there, the the House of Horrors. But maybe they exercise those demons over the weekend. You know, they. Uh, That's what people uh, are saying. But they're, st- but they're still formidable. There's there's no doubt about it. And, and anything can happen in the playoffs. Um, but you know, it'd be nice if you could pick and choose. But you know what. The baseball guys that don't allow that. And if you, you know, they, uh, they, they said, take, take what you get coming your way and just deal with it. There you go. Uh, pitching, obviously, uh, what a great, uh, what great depth the Jays have. Um, with, I want to talk to you about the setup for your rotation uh, for the best of three uh, first round. If the Jays get there and it looks like they're going to with uh, Kevin Gosman scheduled to pitch the last day of the season. If the Jays clinch before then, does he then move uh, up to be maybe the starter for the opening of the series? Yeah, I, w- I would think that's probably the, the, you know, the, the route they would go. You know, you never know for sure, but everything will depend on this weekend. Who's got a pitch and, and, uh, uh, you know, he, he's been dynamite all year, you know, uh, they're, they're pretty solid. You can, you can, you know, you look at the years Bassett's had and the Barrios. I mean, they're all tough. Kikuchi, you know, he, he, he been hit a little bit the last couple of times out and, uh, but you know, there's, there's, they're sitting in a good spot. They can run three good ones out at you. And it, it, but you know, they'll, they'll, they'll set that up according to how, who pitches this weekend. And then they'll, I'm sure they'll look at the matchups, you know, that against the other team. So, they're sitting good. Yeah, it would be nice to have that luxury of being able to really set it up without having to use Gosman in that last game. So, I mean, if the the earlier they can clinch this week, the better it's going to be for them to set up and, and get ready for the the postseason in that first round. Uh, taking a look at the back end of the bullpen, I really have been impressed with Jordan Hicks uh, recently, uh, and Jordan Romano, uh, obviously the closer, had a tough uh, a tough blown save on Saturday. Uh, any consideration on the back end of that bullpen by perhaps using uh, both Hicks and Romano as closers, depending on the situation? You know, I don't know what they'll do. You know what? Uh, you know, you can't leave out Chad Green either, how, how good he's been. You know, it's it's funny. Well, you, you get you get you work hard all year, and you you have your you have your certain roles. You know, of course, they traded for, uh, and brought over Hicks from the Cardinals and. He fit in. He, they've kind of balanced him a little bit. The eighth inning, they, even earlier, depending on you know what how they like it to match up. Personally, you get here, you, you ride the horses that brought you, you know, and you leave leave it be. If you need to adjust along the way, so be it. But I, I think it's I think it's always crazy. You start okay. Now we got there. Now we're going to start adjusting things because these guys are ingrained and they 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 have certain roles. And you know what? They're ready for it. Now we get to the promised land. Let's just hey, let's roll it out there, boys. Go get them because, yeah, it's not. It's no time to get too smart right now. That's for sure. You know, when you you ride your horses, they got they got to this point. Sometimes best get out of the way. Exactly. You are listening to the Gibby Show presented by our friends at Miller Light, and it's Miller time at Chuck's Roadhouse this month. Look for the Miller Light feature at Chuck's during September and enter for your chance to win a trip. For two to a World Series game. Uh, for more information, go to www.millerlight.ca forward slash 2023 World Series contest for more information. And Gibby, we also have something else to talk about. 
there is a Instagram contest that's going to be uh, taking place and uh, some pretty cool prizes, some autograph Miller Lite jackets signed by you. Uh, so, uh, uh that's ruined, I ruined cool. those nice jackets. <laughs> uh, those would be collector's items. Believe me, those would be highly sought after. So, uh, Miller light is giving away. This is, it's an Instagram contest. So it's just follow, uh, on Instagram at John Gibbons, Oh five and at Miller light CA on Instagram, tag a friend for your chance to win. Deadline to enter is October the 3rd, so move quick on this one, 11.59 Eastern. So you got to get in by October 3rd at 11.59 Eastern. Good luck, and you just may take home one of those signed Miller Lite Gibby jackets. Hey, they are nice jackets. You know, when they they first put pictures of them out, people loved them. I was getting all these kind of comments, you know. And uh, not only that, you know, it's getting close to those World Series time, you know, that that, uh, it does make sure you finish, finish strong signing up for those contests. That's you right. never know. Then you could wear a Miller Lite jacket to the World Series, I guess. And you'll be a fashion plate if you do so. Oh, uh, you'll be you'll be glowing. <laughs> I got a question for you. Uh, how many hours of sleep do you need each night, Gibby? Oh, I think I know where you're going. But how many do I need, or how many do I get? How many? How many, do you, I... how many would you like to have, and how many? In reality, do you get with those two crazy dogs running around all day? I could use about twenty-four straight right now, but uh, no, no. When you get, to, you know, you know, I was old man. We get to a certain point. We're lucky if we get five or six hours. Yeah, yeah. Well, the reason I ask is because Chase Starter, you say Kikuchi raised a few eyebrows after leaving his start last week with cramps in his neck, saying that he only had gotten eleven hours of sleep instead of his usual thirteen to fourteen. Uh, his statement's got a ton of media coverage, and he did clarify it. He said, only the night before a start. It leads me to asking you, when you were managing, were there any eccentric rituals by any of these players that could be similar or, or something different that you had to deal with as a manager? No, I've, ne- I've, never, I've never heard of that one. I, maybe he meant to say that, that uh, he got too much sleep or something. Or something, and he and he slept wrong, and he got the, the arm is in a bad spot or something. But hey, whatever makes you tick. I know he's he's had he's had a great year, but um, and he likes to have fun with the media. He really. Oh, uh, okay. And you know, obviously, he has no children. He has no dogs running around. That's no, he doesn't. You know, <laughs> you, you can, but you know what? Hey, teams do have uh, sleep rooms now. They put them in their clubhouses, and guys will go off and uh, take a take nap. a little nap, you know, before the game, or you know, sometime during the day, and. Apparently he didn't he, on the road. He didn't have one, so he couldn't do it. Well, I guess the days have changed when guys used to be in the clubhouse and just sleeping on a bench or wherever they could take a couple of because <laughs> they were hungover and they, they just got to try to get a little <laughs> last minute shot. I'm telling you. Uh, well, I mean that uh, will wrap up the lead off. Now it's time for gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. And Tim Hortons is celebrating National Coffee Day on Friday, September the 29th with an exclusive limited edition merch drop. This year, they created five different designs that all reflect your favorite Tim's coffee order. There's a uniquely designed crew neck sweatshirt, an athletic style T-shirt, there's socks, baseball caps, stitch patches, and a special edition Letterman jacket for each drink in the Coffee Cruise collection. So go visit your Tim's, uh, check it out, 
enter it. Uh, I mean, what it's kind of like uh, it's a fashion week here at the Gibby Show. Hey, hey, <laughs> I tell you what, you know, the busiest job, overworked job, probably in in the in the country is uh, being the promotions guy at uh, Tim Hortons. Yeah. They work it, man. They got something going on all the time. Every you know? week, every week, it, something every really week. cool. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we bring on a true baseball legend. His two stints as manager of the Toronto Blue Jays from 1989 to 2010 were highlighted by two ALCS appearances, two World Series, and those two World Series, the Blue Jays won back-to-back titles, the only two World Series championships for Toronto. He holds the record for both games managed at 1,731 and most wins, 894 for Toronto, with John Gibbons holding the records for second most games managed at 1,258 and wins at 644. He played from 1967 to 1978 for Atlanta, San Diego, and Pittsburgh. He's a former All-Star, a member of the Blue Jays' level of excellence, a member of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame, and the San Antonio Sports Hall of Fame and a recipient of the Jackie Robinson Award. It is indeed an honor to welcome Cito Gaston to this week's Gabbing with Gibby. Cito, it is an honor to meet you. My pleasure. Pleasure to meet you guys, too. Of course, I know Gibby, so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Cito, man. Hey, we're, we're glad you came out. We wouldn't wait till the end of the year when, it, you know, the team, when it's when it's, when it's crunch time, right? Because right. who, who could talk better about those kind of times, the, the two-time World Series champ, you know, we were both very cool times in Blue Jays history, but you got them two rings, brother. Most people don't have one. So we want to bring you on, you know, highlight that a little bit and let you talk about this team, what you see in the, the state of baseball. So we're going to let Johnny sit off and we'll, we'll just let it go where it wants to go. Okay. All no right. Thank you. Excellent. Um, between you and Gibby, you've seen the best of the best in the history of the franchise of the Toronto Blue Jays. How do you see this 2023 version of the Jays? What stands out and can they go all the way this year? Well, I think they have a real good pitching staff, starting staff. And, uh, of course, they have a good bullpen, a real good bullpen. Uh, you know, they set up guys. They seem to have two good set up guys and some guys in the middle there and, uh, of course, the closer. Uh, I think the one thing that I have uh, questions about is, and, and they could prove me wrong, is, I thought they might have gave up too many RBIs and when they got rid of Goriel and got rid of Hernandez. Uh, but uh, they could prove me wrong on that. Uh, but, you know, you talk about 190, 180 RBIs a year, which I guess RBIs don't count anymore, so I guess it doesn't matter. But we'll see if it happens. It does matter. You know, we'll see. Uh, but they do have a good team, a good defensive team. And um, they have a great chance. I think they schedule's pretty good for them the rest of the way. Uh, I mean, New York team, it looks pretty bad shape right now. And, and of course, uh, Tampa is beat up pretty, pretty, pretty bad. And, uh, they got a great chance to go out and play ball and win, win three out of four. Uh, uh, they got, what, they have six games left and uh, win four out of six. And I think they'll be fine. Yeah. They have a magic number three right now. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the offense for the team, uh, is the one that has been pretty, back and forth there hasn't been really right. consistency with the offense it started to click uh over the last week or so especially the top of the lineup uh and seeing vladdy 
come through with some uh, some home runs. He's been kind of in a home run uh, drought, but now it's coming back in a big way. Uh, uh, talk to us a little bit about Vladdy, what you've seen about Vladdy, and uh, he seems to be getting hot just at the right time. Yeah, you're right, and he's playing with a bad knee right now. But, yeah. you know, uh, Vladdy got a lot of criticism this year, uh, which I think he didn't deserve. I mean, you put a lot of heat on that young kid to, uh, you know, uh, when you take those other two hitters away from around him. Of course, you know, you Rochette's had a good year, and, and Bijou's starting to swing the bat pretty good, which it helps, has, has helped out quite a bit. But Gladdy, you go look at him, he leads the team in RBIs, and he gets lucky this week, he'll drive 100 RBIs. I mean, you can't talk too bad about someone that's done that. But as you said, the last week or so, he seemed like he's a little bit more sweet, really with his swing. He's got an idea what he wants to do up there. And I just love the way this kid plays. It has a lot of fun. It's not too I don't know about John. I didn't have a lot of fun out there a lot of times, uh, even though I was going good because there's a lot of pressure on you all the time. But I think Vladdy has a lot of pressure on him this year. But I think he's responded to it pretty well. Yeah, you know, see, you know, with old Vladdy, you know, we – I think everybody forgets sometimes just just how young he still is. You know, he 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 can't, he took the he took the league by storm. You know, he was probably one of the all time greatest prospects ever. His dad, he was in the uh, you know the Hall of Fame, and so a lot of pressure there. But he came and he, you know he set the bar early. Yeah. You know, and he could have very easily won the MVP. But you know, if you and then everybody expects that every every year, but it, it's it's not. But what you said a minute ago, I, I think is huge. The, the guys you have around you play a big part in in the kind of year you have. You know, Teoscar's gone, Gary O's gone. Those are some guys. Some you know, but I think what the way the way they they, they approached it, the game the game is the game is so different now than you know when you and I were were managing this. It, it's it used to be everything would revolve around starting pitchers, and then you you have maybe one or two guys to close it out. Right now, right. now it's like with with the starters. What if they get five innings? They think that that's that's a good night. Then here to roll that roll the bullpen out. So I think that's kind of the approach they've taken, and they beefed up their bullpen. And the game is so different, isn't it, than, than when you started out, and even when I was there, you know. Absolutely, it's a lot different because I know guys. I even with the years that we won those two uh, World Series, my guys at least at least give me seven innings a, a night, and uh, of course I had two other guys would take the rest away in Wardle and. And along with Tom Hankey. And I had a good uh, in-between. You know, I had some guys that uh, Danny Cox was a good long guy for me. And before Pat Hankin became a, a starter, he was a good long guy for me. But now, you know, you have, what, 13 pitches now? We had 10 back in those days. And, yeah. Uh, one, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a lot different nowadays. I think these kids coming up through the Mind Lakes, uh, I would love to see them let them pitch a little bit more. And let them learn how to get out of trouble once in a while, as opposed to going out and getting them at eighty pitches and ninety pitches. Uh, but uh, you know, that's that's just my thoughts. But uh, as you said, there uh, it's a different it's a different ball game, and defense does play a lot. If you go back and look at the Toronto Blue Jay team, even from the first year I was here, we always finished around first and second in defense. And you know what? We had a good pitching staff most of the time. Uh, didn't have a good bullpen when I first got here as as a coach. And uh, we developed, we got Tom Hank, who became a different team. We got Dwayne Warren, became a different team. So, But they have a nucleus on this team to win. I'm just not sure how far they're going to go unless they continue to hit like they did the last few days down in Tampa. And, and then pitching staff performs like they have been performing, then they're going to be just fine. They have a good they have a good run at it. They really will. Yeah, I, I agree. Hey, see, you know, you have one of those reputations as a tremendous hitting instructor, right? And that's how you got your start in the big leagues before you managed it, right? 
you were right. the hitting. Tell, tell that story a little bit about you. You were the hitting coach, and then you, you guys, when you first took over, you got a team got off to a terrible start. You took over, and it was like, bam, bam. Well, you know, John, that year, uh, Jimmy Williams was the manager. And uh, coming out of spring training, we thought we had a real good team. We just got off to a pretty bad start. We were 12 and 24. And I was a hitting coach. And uh, all of a sudden, one day, they, they fired Jimmy and, and uh, Gillick, and uh, along with uh, Paul Beast and stuff at my house. And Jimmy and I lived out in Mississauga. I know you're familiar with Mississauga. And uh, they dropped off his house, fired him, came to my house, told me to take the team, which I did not want to take that team because – it's not too often you go to work and be happy with what you're doing. And I was pretty happy as being a hitting coach. But I will always go back and thank Paul Beeston and along with um, Sparky Ennis that says, take it if you don't take it for no other reason, take it for your family. But that year, I tell you, at the end of that year, John, I was just, but my head was so buzzed out because I didn't bring in another hitting coach because I thought it was the wrong time to do that. I wanted these guys to finish the year with myself. So I was a hitting coach and I was also the manager. And I had, hey, Hal, yeah, Hal Whitmire was my pitching coach and he was sick. So I was also the pitching coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I, 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 it was, I tell you what, though, I, I, uh, it was quite a learning experience for me. You learn a lot of things real quick. And believe it or not, when I was a kid, I used to pitch a little bit too. So I knew a little bit about it, but I certainly learned a lot about it that year, John. And I, I tell you, then see my head was so buzzed so much. I was almost happy the season was over in some ways, but we did come back from 12 and 24 and won our division. And, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to keep those guys on the same plane and uh, hearing, hearing talking about hitting from the same person. I didn't want someone else to come in and start it, start it all over and, and, and maybe have their different ways of doing it. But, you know, next year I couldn't do that. I couldn't continue to do that. So we went out and hired somebody as a hitting coach. Yeah. Hey, that's that's unbelievable because I, I can I can yeah. only imagine you know because yeah. the you know everything that it takes to manage a team you know they 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 piece of you got to do this you got to do this you, this you, uh, what's going on and then you're still doing the hitting really that's unbelievable. Yep, I did the hitting too. I just I you know what John I never stopped being a hitting coach. Uh, you know I I certainly yeah. would talk with my hitting coaches if I see something wrong and I would wouldn't go over their heads and convert with them and, and see if we can get it right. And, and uh, big guys, Batista, uh, Gene Tennis and myself and Murph, we, we got together with Batista. I seen that he was getting his leg down a little bit late and he had all the power there and he had all the, you know, Batista is a great athlete. You not only can he play right field, he can play third base and he runs well and controls yeah. great. Yeah. And, he, and he's a smart guy. He's a smart hitter and he knows how to play the game. So, I never stopped being a hitting coach all the years I was there. I was always had my hand, hands in there a little bit, but not stepping on the the hidden coaches think toes too much, you know, just talking to them about it, see what we can do. And, uh, you know, um, it, it worked out pretty good. And uh, they wasn't offended if I had something to say about the hitters. But I can remember when, when we were up there, when Batista got put on the, 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 you and I were watching the game with Beast and, and you were, we were sitting there talking and you were, you were talking about uh, Batista a little bit and, and a couple other guys and, and you, and you brought up the point. They didn't, they didn't know what they wanted to hit. Right. And I thought, that was me. I, I said, I, I was a guy. I went up there swinging at everything. No wonder I couldn't hit, you know? And I, and I thought, that there you go. The, the mental side yeah. of hitting. Cena was around great hitters. You had great roommates, great players right. in the game. And there's the mental side. It's not all physical, right? It's the yeah. mental side. Absolutely. John, I was in the big leagues for six years where I really learned how to hit. And, you know, uh, and, and that what you just said is what, what helped me is, you have to go up and look for pitches, set on pitches. It's not guessing. Guessing is going from 
okay, I'll look for a fastball. They throw me a curveball. Oh, no, I'll look for a curveball. You know, if you go up there and you sit on one pitch, and you know what? You only have to be, you don't have to be right three out of three out of ten times. You you you're a multi-millionaire. I mean, yeah. what job can you yeah. what job can you be wrong seven times and still have a job? It's so it's not that tough, but it is that tough, you know, because guys yeah. really they they can't make themselves do that. And you know, when you come from the minor leagues to the big leagues, uh, they don't have as good of breaking balls in the minor leagues as they do in the big leagues. They don't pinpoint the ball as well as they do in the Minor leagues, they're doing a big league. So you can't hit all those pitches. Guys throwing 97, 98 miles an hour, you can't hit his 85-mile-hour changeup. Uh, you're just not ready to hit it. And a changeup, to me, is one of the best pitches because you can't determine, you can't yeah. recognize the speed. But you can recognize the break on curveballs and sliders and things like that, as you know. And, and people find it pretty amazing that eyes can can see that. You know what I'm talking about. You know how a slider break, you know how a breaking ball breaks. But to me, to go up there and to just, you know, some guys say, see the ball, hit the ball. Well, I don't believe in that. That's too hard to do. No, it ain't that easy. too hard to do. No, it's not that. I wish it was that easy, but it's not yeah. that easy. So, so I really believe in sitting on pitches. And, and you know, if you get them, I, I will give you one quick example. Of, um, A-Rod hit his 500 home run against me when he was with the Yankees. A-Rod hit 600 home runs with me against me when he was with, with the Yankees. And I would see him take a 3-2 fastball right down the middle plate go sit down. That's because he's sitting on a breaking ball, and he's okay with that. He said, okay, that's fine, but the next time I I, I, I might be right with that one. And he, here's the guy I point him out because he, he wasn't wrong. He did over 600 home runs. So it works. It it's absolutely works if you give it a chance. Yeah, you know, I can remember watching Manny Ramirez do the same in, in his era, one of the great top, top writers, right? He'd go up there, he'd take three fastballs right down the middle of the plate and go sit down. Yeah. And you see, you yeah. knew, you knew, you knew well, you know, you were sitting on that breaking ball. That's what the good ones do, though. Exactly. They don't. They don't go guess back from one pitch to the next pitch. You know, they sit on it till the end. And like those guys, they took it all the way to the end. I used to try to teach guys, okay, if you're not too comfortable when you get two strikes, just see if you can just make contact with the ball. Go back to be a defensive hitter if you're not comfortable. Guys that were comfortable with it, I said, take it to the end. Hey, you looking fastball? Look for it in. And then we had guys sit on breaking balls. You have to sit on breaking balls sometimes to get them off of you. And if you hit it a few times, they'll get, they'll go away from that breaking ball and go back to where you want them to go. And it, it's just a, a, a mental approach up at the plate to uh, about hitting, just not walking up there and swinging the bat and say, oh, see ball, hit ball. Every time I hear a broadcaster say that on TV, it drives me crazy. And, and <laughs> it drives me crazy. And, and the other one, too, is I, I don't really like let the ball travel. Well, you can let the ball travel on the outside part of the plate, but you better not let it travel on the inside part of the plate. Oh, you you up. That sea ball, hit ball doesn't work, man. I tried that, man. I tried that. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple of uh, questions about uh, your managerial style. Uh, how right. would you describe your your style as a manager? Of course, Gibby, uh, always known as a player's manager, but not afraid to get in your grill if necessary uh, and warranted. Uh, describe uh, over the course of your uh, uh, managerial uh, career, your style. Well, I had the same style as Gibby, but uh, I think one time uh, my style was to get the guys in the office and get in their face. Yeah, he was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I know sometimes it gets heated out there and, and, and you have to do what you have to do. Uh, I, I didn't. I let guys know that you know what I'm gonna let you play. I'm behind you all the way, and I'm a manager. I'm a I'm a player's manager. But when you go out there, you don't play properly, or you don't want to play, or you don't want to execute. Then when the game's over, I want you in my office, and I'll and I, I'll tell you what. I'll challenge you to a fight. If you want to fight, I'm right here. 
You know, yeah. I'm, you, got, I'm you guys right could have been, you guys could have been a good tag team with each other. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I I agree with everything. Give it. I seen give it do. He's right on. He's right hey, on. Hey, Cito's much bigger than me, man. Them dudes working the best. Him. <laughs> they tried. They tried to get me up some little pints. I do. Well, yeah, I'm I'm talking to these two legends, right? Really, I mean. Both of you, two-time managers of the Blue Jays. Uh, Cito, you replaced Gibby as manager of the Jays in June of 2008. Hirings and firings are part of the game. You both know that. Uh, Both of you are so highly thought of and legends uh, in Blue Jays baseball. A question for both of you. Uh, Tell us what you most respect about each other. I I respect. uh, I'm going to go first, man. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Gibby. Because it's never going to end. First off, you know, the first time I met Cito, you know, he'd come down to spring spring training. It it was, you know, uh, as a guest instructor, he'd come down for about a week. And that's where where I met him. I thought, hey, you know, I always look for the character in guys. You know, you you want them around. You know, it's it's like, you know, just the good guys, the the players gravitate towards and all that. And then I just watch how he functioned with, you know, like I said, function with our players. And I've, I always, I always try to watch the guys that had success, right? Cito's won two back to back. How many guys can actually say that? The guys that have had success in this business, how do they act? You know, he's, he, just, he's, he just, he, every, we all have different personalities. Nobody's no doubt about it. But the way Cito carried himself, the guy, the guys, you know, they, they listened, they respected him, and so that that, that was number one. And then you know what? Just, just here when I got when I was in Toronto, and just hearing the stories about him and things like that, and and, and how how he treated me coming back because because that's never easy. Come to spring training, you're a manager, ex manager, and you got a new manager. That's not always easy at first until you get to know the guy. Those kind of things. And the uh, have tremendous respect for his playing career and his managing career, but more importantly, just a good guy that you like having around. You know, and to me, that's the most important thing. Give it those a very kind words. Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate you. Yeah. And you know what? I give it. I feel. I feel the same way about you. Is that I see how calm you are, even though people don't know that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you're pretty. You're pretty. You're pretty laid back. And uh, I, you, as I said, you are. You're a players manager. And also, when you when you need to get it, when you need to get in somebody's face, you get in their face. And, and you only do that when you need to. It's not everyday thing just to show people that you're tough oh. or whatever. And and I see the way you treat your players, the way they play for you. And you know what? I, I have to say this, that uh, uh, when I was coming to spring training during that time when you were managing, I, I, I should have kept that gig. That was a pretty good gig. I come up when I want to. I call and tell Jeff Russell, let <laughs> give it, no, I'm coming in. <laughs> that was a pretty good gig. I come in once a week and, and got paid all year round. So that was pretty good. Pretty good gig right there. Uh, <laughs> So uh, that, that was that, but, but the other part, the other part I, I seen in you that um, I, you care about the game. You really care about the game and you care about people. And you know what? Uh, if they don't play, you let them know that you got to do better. You got to do better. And uh, you know what? You go back and think when I, when I, when you got first fired, I took you, took, took over the job. And then when you got hired again, I was in Hawaii and I gave you a call and congratulated you again. I, yeah. I have always felt like you're a friend of mine. So I have never felt like, and I hope you feel the same way. The, oh yeah. yeah, you know we wouldn't come. Hey, we didn't fire each other; they fired us. So, it, it, ex- exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, I, so I, I, I we got hired Cito a second time, right? And I could never understand why because I, I didn't have the hardware. 
when you got hired the second time, I, said, I understand he's got two championships. I said, so I told Alex Anthopoulos that I said, I said, <laughs> you, you're trying to rehire me. You know, it's you're you're gonna you're gonna get get crucified for crying out loud. I got I got I got what? Well, did about it. Yeah, you did. You guys went on and won, got in the playoffs about a couple of years. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh and, yeah. And you know what? I tell you this uh, for Batista's uh, induction to the uh, Hall of uh, Excellence. Hey, Gibby went out before I did on the field, and I went out behind Gibby, and you couldn't tell the difference in the applause for, for for either one of us. It was the same. So they love you. They love you here too, Gibby. You know that. Oh they yeah. Do. Oh yeah. They've been they good. You guys, you guys are legends. I mean, there's something else that's very unique about what you both have done uh, as managers, because you're not representing a state; you're representing a country. Gibby's talked a lot about what it's like to win in Toronto. Uh, Cena, what are your recollections about winning it all in Toronto and the fan base there and representing an entire country? Well, as you said, you represent the entire country, which is pretty amazing if you think about it, because there's not too many. You know, we, we had Montreal in there for a little bit, but not not for long. But uh, there were most most fans in, in, in Canada, pretty much Toronto Blue Jay fans, even all the way out to the West Coast, as you can see. And Gibby knows when you go out to play in uh, Seattle, there's more fans, oh. there's more Blue Jays fans in the stands than there are Seattle fans at times. Depends on the year. And so it's it's quite an honor to be able to say that you represent an entire country as opposed to a, a state. And I tell you what, they've always been great to me up here. Uh, as I spoke with Gibby yesterday, uh, I let him know I was still here. I, I've been, I'm still here. And uh, I love coming up here. I love the city. The people have been super nice to me here. And I never get any, I always get uh, all kind of a, I mean, I'm not like that. I'm not the guy that needs to be known. Uh, but people come up to me on the street all the time and they thank me for what we did here. And I just appreciate this country and this city. But uh, plan for a whole country, you just think about that. That's pretty amazing. We're pretty fortunate we had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, hey most people don't, maybe I know, Cino and I are both San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, in, That's right. In, in, That's right. But smarter than me, man. It's too damn hot down here. North, man. You know, I, I ain't picked that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the, see, Texas, <laughs> the Texas thing is certainly a part of uh, your lineage of sh- for sure. Now, I have to ask you a question, which I, I read up on uh, you, and I uh, found an interesting story about how you actually uh, got your name. And I, I, I do yeah. have to ask, because Texas, uh, right across the border, is Lucha Libre, Mexico, wrestling. Right. Um, right. uh was it true? Well, John, hey, actually- John's a big wrestling guy. That's what he was. He oh, was really? actually a wrestler. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's another part of my <laughs> life, uh, yeah. pro wrestling history, especially Lucha Libre. I mean, uh, definitely a fan of uh, of Mexican wrestling. Uh, right. But uh, I had heard a story that uh, you had actually uh, were given your name or got your name based on a wrestler. Is that true? True. Uh, we used to work at in, in the summertime. Worked at a place called the River Garage, which is right downtown San Antonio. I'm, I I think John's probably too young to know about that, that place. But anyway, <laughs> it it uh, I don't think it exists anymore. It's a hotel now. Actually, it's a hotel. And a friend of mine's there was named Carlos Thompson. And Carlos Thompson went on to be a police officer. One day he looked at me and said, "You know, you look like that that, that Mexican wrestler named Cito." And so I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, I don't know who the guy he's talking about. I said, but you know what? 
I'm going to accept that because if you had a name like Clarence, you surely want to be something else than Clarence. So I picked up <laughs> Cito, and I've been going with it ever since. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for story. confirming confirming that yeah. story. I do have yeah. one other question for you, and it dates back to you as a young man uh, in baseball. As a young player, you really uh, you had an you had a great roommate. Uh, you room with Henry Henry yeah. Aaron. Right. I mean, what a what a right. mentor! What that had to be amazing. What influence did Aaron have uh, in playing in your life? I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll tell you more. But I would not be sitting right here, and you guys would not be talking to me in this matter of what's gone on in my life. It had not been for Hank Aaron. And I'll tell you the start of uh, you know you get called up in uh, at the end of the year. And to the big leagues, and I had had a great leader in a ball, and they called me up and they put me right in the room with Hank, which he could have said no, you know, <laughs> he didn't have to take me in the room with him. So I learned so much from Hank uh, as how to carry yourself and how to stand on your own two feet. Uh, he taught me how to tie a tie, and uh, you know what? Uh, the thing I do regret is that I never talked to him about hitting until later on in life. And I didn't want to bug him because I didn't want to get kicked out of the room with Hank Aaron, my childhood <laughs> idol, you know? I mean, how, how often are you going to get in the room with your childhood idol? Come on. I mean, that, uh, yeah. that, that's pretty awesome. And so then later on in life, uh, after I left the Braves and, and came over here, I used to talk to him quite a bit. And uh, actually, I go back to Fred McGriff. And uh, Fred McGriff was with the Yankees. And we're down in Sarasota. And I picked up a phone call. Hank, I said, there's a kid down there named Fred McGriff hit the ball about 400 feet just hitting them off the cages out in right field. If you get a chance to pick him up. So later on, they got him back. They finally got him. But the other part of this story is that Hank called me three times before I said, okay, to come. He said, come and work with me. They never asked me to come work for him. Come and work, work with him. And so the third time I said, okay, if I had not said, okay, and he was very nice to me, took care of me in the organization, I would not be sitting here right now. He, he's the one who got me back in the game. He's, persistent on calling me and calling me again and getting me to come back. And I, I to, to me, he's the greatest right hand here that I've ever been around. Uh, John, you know, the slide is down the way that we swing over the top and miss. <laughs> he used oh. to hook him out of the ball. He hook him out of the ballpark out of the left field, which is almost impossible. You really think about it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, just one quick story about Hank and I'll let it go. Uh, you know, we're, we are, Hank would never come to it to Anderson, South Carolina. He's farm director, but he would always come to um, uh, where the, where the uh, Boston Red Sox had, had there at Winston-Salem. And at the end of the game there, I don't know if you were managing that area, there was a clubhouse there, and, and the two teams got together, two coaches got together, and they'd have beer together. And Hank was in there one day, and one of the coaches for Boston came over and asked him, said, who's the hardest-throwing hardest, hardest throwing pitcher you ever faced? And hell, I wanted to hear that too, so – he didn't say a word, and so the kid got closer to him and asked him again, and I, I got closer too, so I could hear the answer. He looked the kid right now. He says, "I didn't face anyone, anybody that threw that hard." <laughs> can you can you imagine? Can you imagine, John? Well, that's <laughs> what was Hank Aaron. <laughs> can you imagine you up there and then the ball looking like a basketball? Please. Oh, uh, <laughs> why he's the greatest ever? He is, yeah, he's some kind of hitter. I'll tell you. Really was. Something, something, something different. Well, well, see though, man. Hey, well, listen, we're gonna let you go, but we can't thank you enough. I know you you probably be out to see a couple games up there, you know, this final week. And I think yeah. we're both sympathize with uh John Schneider right now, what he's going through, the, the oh, what yeah. he's feeling and inside, you know, till you finally clinch it, you know. Um it, it it'll be exciting. But listen, hey, 
you're a legend up there in Toronto. We've done, we've done for the country of Canada. We appreciate you. You're a good friend. We, we appreciate your time. And, and uh, hey, you down the road, I'll be at dinner. No, John, anytime. Just call me anytime you need me. No problem. My All right, pleasure. pal. Take, good take care. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right, see you, though. Okay. Take care. That wraps up another Gabbing with Gibby. A very special one for me, uh, Gibby. I mean, just to see you both together. I mean, like these two storied skippers of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, it was just, it was so cool to see that. Uh, so a good one, a really good one. Must have felt good for you. Yeah, Cito's a good dude, you know, and uh, he, he's done a lot, you know, for the Blue Jays organization over the years. Put him on the map, got two two championships, you know, what everybody strives for, right? You know, yeah. we strive for it. We came close, didn't quite get there. It's like it's all these, you know, we talk about it every day on our show that, you know, the, the wild card picture, who's going to get in, who's because they're all chasing a championship and Cito got two of them back to back. So it's it, uh, sometimes, you know, you, you lose sight of how, how, how really uh, significant that is, you know, and, and how hard it is to do. And, and uh, you know, kudos to him. Yes, exactly. And one of the fun. good guys. Yep. Uh, definitely. Very low key. Very, very cool. I really enjoyed that. Uh, well, Gibby now, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, as we do each and every week, it's time for the roast and toast. And we got an interesting roast and an interesting toast this week. Uh, we're certainly not going to be toasting uh, the first one because <laughs> it is a roast with the final week of the baseball season. There are some really great players, potential future Hall of Famers that will be calling it a day and retiring at the end of the season. Miguel Cabrera will be one of them after a stellar career, including being the last Triple Crown winner in baseball. He's had a farewell tour uh, across the majors. Many teams are honoring him with gifts when he plays his last games in their stadiums. The New York Yankees gave Miggy a subway sign, donated $10,000 to his foundation as part of the gifts he received. The Dodgers gave him a Hollywood star uh, with his name on it, and the Angels gifted him with a surfboard with his accomplishments listed on it, to name a few. The Oakland A's decided to spring for an $80 bottle of wine. It was a gift that many considered cheap, but insensitive as well, as Cabrera is a recovering alcoholic. Uh, For this blunder, this won't be a toast, as we said. It'll be a roast, and it has to go to the Oakland A's. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I was saying earlier that the PR guy in the way to the ballpark knew he forgot something, so he had to he had to pull Oops. over the <laughs> store. Or something. Yes, it's uh, probably not their best move. You know, in, in uh, for, at least you could have got him a, a, night, a, a bottle from France or something. You know, well, they got bigger stuff. problems, I guess, over there in <laughs> Oakland right now. So, well, they, well they, they're, they're forced to watch their budget. You know, and that, that uh, you know that yeah. that might have broke it right there. Yeah. Well. At least we. But have you a- know what, though, as far as you got, you got to salute Biggie, man, uh, Miguel. Oh, what an incredible career, you know, and incredible. One of the good guys too. That you, he has fun on the field, he but does. gosh, was he he good and dangerous, you know? Yes, always. What a great career he's had, and uh, we certainly uh, uh, we will toast him, but we will not toast the A's. But we have another toast of the week, and I think you're going to enjoy this one, Gibby. The Milwaukee Brewers will be heading to the postseason again. 
this year. They will have a familiar face to Blue Jay fans with them. Josh Donaldson was picked up by the Brewers after the Yankees DFA'd him in August. They signed him to a minor league deal, and Josh played five games right here in Nashville uh, for the Brewers' Triple A team before joining the big club on September 11th. Since he's joined them, Donaldson has made an impact with his teammates showing pra- showering praise on him as a presence in the clubhouse, and the dugout, and at the plate. With three home runs since joining the club, the bringer of rain has been embraced by his teammates and the fans. Outfielder Tyrone Taylor said, you could feel his presence since he's been here. He's mashing for us, and it's cool just to be around him. And after his three-run moonshot last week, Brewer starting pitcher Adrian Hauser said, the bringer of rain rained on us tonight. Never count Josh Donaldson out, as you know. This week, we say the same, and we give Josh Donaldson this week's Toast of the Week. Yeah, you know what? Put the smile on my face. It's been a, you know, it's been a tough couple years for him, you know, when uh, playing for the Yankees. Uh, and, he, and he did some good things for him, but, you know, he, he felt, you know, when he, when he struggled and got had some injuries, and then he felt the wrath of the, the New York fan base in, in the uh, – and then, of course, they cut him loose. And you know, I, I talked to him before he went went to, uh, you know the, to join the, the Nashville team. And he said, "Hey, you got nothing to lose, man. Go out there. You know, they'll they'll mon- they'll they'll see what they think. And you know, if they they if they think you can help them, they'll bring you up. And sure enough, they uh, they brought him up. Games. And he's been, you know, what Josh is the kind of guy too. He he's he's you know he can do some things. In a, even when he's not at his best, you know, he's a little bit older now. You know, he's, he's human." There's still something in him. He's he's going to find a time to do something big, right? I mean, that's just kind of who he is. That's kind of what he looks for. Um, and you know what? He's also been there. He brings some experience to that club. They're going to the playoffs. He's been to many a postseason. That 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 does wonders because basically, you know, they've they've had a team that's that's they've been very successful, but they also have some young guys. And that third base spot has been kind of a position that you know they really wanted to do address. And um, I think I think it was a great move, and even even more. Even better than that is I'm, I'm happy for the guy it's happening to. Yeah. Yeah, I know he's one of your favorites, and uh, we do toast Josh Donaldson this week. Well, Gibby, that's going to wrap up this edition of the show. I mean, it's going to be an exciting week. Six games left. Uh, by this time next week, it'll all be over and the playoffs start. So we will talk more baseball with all of you next week, and we will let you know exactly what's going on right here on the show. Have a great week, everyone, and go Blue Jays.